and boom goes the dynamite. It spins around. You recognize this sound? Well, it's the underground. You know that we're down with what you like. And with what you like. And though we're usually on a serious tip, check it out. Tonight we're gonna flip and trip and let it all hang out tonight. We're gonna say what we like. Cause yo, yo, we wanna know how many people in the flow. Well, I can just let yourselves go and do what you like. What's the night you like? Just eat food, try not to be crude or rude. Kill the attitude, chill the serious mood, and do what you like. And do what you like. Everybody do what you like. Yeah, do what you like. Good evening, and welcome to episode 76 of Boom Goes a Dynamite, the AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm Jeffrey. With me tonight is Paul Sebastian. Paul, how you doing, man? Jeff, stop what you're doing, because I'm about to ruin... The rhythm in the podcast that you're used to. Oh no, <laughs> that's right. Uh, we are uh, we are doing the Humpty Dance all the way to uh, to AEW Dynamite this week. Uh, R.I.P. Shock G. Oh God, Shock G dying was what a creative loss for the entire hip hop genre. Yeah, absolutely. You heard our opening music, a uh, little little digital underground for you. Uh, very uh, important to me in my formative years. Uh, you know, listening to hip hop as a kid, definitely digital underground. Uh, uh, one of those things I discovered and didn't understand fully until I started getting horny. But once I did, it was <laughs> off to the races and very important uh, in my youth. Right. So yeah, uh, RIP respect to digital underground. The the album being called Sex Packets didn't give anything away, did it? Well, I had to figure out what a sex packet was first. <laughs> so then once I understood a sex packet, then yes. Oh boy, did you see Dark Elevation or Dark this week? Uh yeah, Jeff, I did. And so this one uh really interesting kind of journey here. So in the year 2279, Salarian archaeologist on Clen Corey discovered an intergalactic mass relay beneath the ice. In the months that followed, the inhabitants of the Milky Way ventured outwards into unknown territory. They fractured as they went into factions and gangs with pirates roaming the stars. It is a time of great endeavor, but the daunting lack of life through the tribunal relay, fuck, this is Mass Effect. This is the the video game Mass <laughs> effect um yeah i never played those games so i was like oh, I, was, so I was like i was struggling for a minute to figure out what that was i never actually played them we're you know we're having fun here but genuinely one of my favorite video game series um ever i replayed them on my twitch stream last year uh still just as good they all hold up including the original there is a remaster coming out sometime soon now that um uh, uh bioware and e are under the control of uh microsoft after all that that whole acquisition there Right. Uh, so you're going to get that soon. Play them. They're great. So uh, I'm going to guess you, you did not watch them. No, no, I didn't get out to that. No, you didn't. Okay, cool. We'll just go right into episode 76 of AEW Dynamite live from Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida. Your host, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Excalibur. We go right in our first match of the evening. Uh, Adam Page versus Ricky Starks. Uh, this had... One of the great contributions that Jim Ross has made to All Elite Wrestling since he's come there on commentary is um, his use of, of Hangman, really get, uh, softening that A on Hangman, and it's kind of getting o- bleeding over to the rest of the commentators now. 
Hmm. So they all call him Hangman? Okay. And I, I just like that. Uh, it certainly wasn't his contribution to the uh, women's title match that we'll talk about later. But uh, get to that. But uh, in any event, uh, I thought this was a great short little match. I mean, yes. for, for for being the opener and going less than ten minutes, I thought that was uh, interesting. That that, that kind of went against the grain of what they usually do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, their continued deployment of Taz on commentary for Team Taz matches uh, really enjoy uh, brings another little element to it. And also, I think would uh, if they would plug him as a commentator on uh, Dark more, I think we'd probably get some more eyes on Dark. He's great on commentary there. Uh, I like the fact that Paige won with the submission. Yes, yeah. And, was, and uh, yeah, he, he tapped out, bro. He tapped out. Yeah, I thought Starks tapped a little bit quick. It's one of those things that comes with time where you can milk that for a few more seconds and really get a good reaction out of it. Uh, but, yeah, Ricky Starks had a really good match other, otherwise. And, uh, yeah, the uh, the non-buckshot you know uh, buckshot lariat finish. Very nice. Not a buckshot lariat, not a last call. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean. What uh, do they call that one? Does he have a name for that? Uh, I thought I heard them say something, but no, I, I can't. thought he did too, but I don't remember what it is. Now, if you remember the name of Hangman Page's uh, submission, now uh, hit us up at BGTD Podcast on Twitter. Uh, afterwards, uh, Taz and Hook uh, take to uh, take to Mister Page, and uh, Hook, which prompts, which brings out the rest of the Dark Order. Yes, so Hook uh, gets a little bit of offense in, gets a little bit of defense in. There's a dust-up, there's a kerfuffle, Dark Order comes out. This is really heating up, and uh, it's pretty good stuff here. Uh, so after that, we get uh, a shot of uh, the the now, I guess they call themselves the Super Elite now. The Super Elite. Very they, they're, they're, they're not the Follett Club. They're not, you know, the uh, any synonym of the, the Bullet the Shooting Blanks Club. Yeah, the Shooting Blanks Club. They're now the Super Elite. Um, yeah, Matt and Nick Jackson are still unbearable. That that I don't know what the hell Nick was wearing. You mean that very, very cool tracksuit that Nick was wearing and oh. he looked cool and good? Do you, do you really think so? Yeah, absolutely. That shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's great. All right. Yeah, he if looked you, awesome. If you say so. <laughs> no, that rule. Um, as a as a tracksuit, uh, look, I'm the tracksuit guy on this podcast. I'm the resident tracksuit expert. That one gets my tracksuit seal of track approval. Okay. Well, as long as uh, it gets your approval. I just picked approval. up a new tracksuit recently. I'm very excited to uh, wear. When I go to New Orleans, it's tracksuit hours, man. Oh my god. It's tracksuit season. It was supposed to be tracksuit summer last year. COVID took tracksuit summer away from me, but tracksuit summer will return. Uh, we're going to get back to the Elite's trailer later and uh, and make note of something uh, that didn't get a whole lot of play on this uh, on this episode of uh, of Dynamite that you think would maybe would have gotten okay. a little bit of play. Uh, we then transition into our second match of the evening in which uh, Trent Beretta makes his in-ring return on Dynamite against right. uh, against Penta El Cero Miedo. Um, first of all, Trent did not get Where's My Mind. No. No, they didn't do the Where's My Mind, which was interesting. I guess they're going to limit it to Cassidy and Statlander? Question mark? Which, okay, maybe. I mean, I I don't entirely mind. I guess we'll see. Maybe they just don't want to overdo it. And second of all, oh my God, that bat mask that that Penta was wearing. Yeah, very cool. Yep, little horns on there. Great stuff. Oh my goodness gracious. Um... 
Penta gets the win via being the the baddest Rudo ever. Oh yeah, it's such a um, something I thought about with Trent today, or well, while you know reviewing this match. Interesting that Trent, you know, has his character and even like sort of into his like online persona has a reputation of being like an aloof kind of lazy guy, but is low key like one of the most reliable guys bell to bell like of his generation, maybe like he's genuinely like always good for a good match. Like he he's he's puts it in every time. Uh, he was a great dance partner for Penta in this one. And yeah, the, the finish and the booking was fantastic. Very old school. Uh during this, uh, we had a bit where uh, Orange Cassidy tried to uh, help out his buddy, and uh, Penta just completely no-sold it and just kicked the shit out of him. Yes, after Alex, well, it came from Alex Abrahantes uh, stopping the match to tell Trent that he sucks, his friends suck, and Sue sucks. The devil. Oh, this oh. hooligan. He says, your mama sucks. <laughs> Heal Abrahantes, man. Where did this come from? I don't He's know, but I'm, I'm digging it. He's really having a great time, and it's showing, and it's really working. Uh, he is becoming like a, a like a budding manager to watch in AEW. Uh, you know, so with that, uh, Penta does get the win. Uh, I know that they are setting up for next week. Uh, Penta contra Orange Cassidy. Very nice. So uh, yeah, that that'll that'll be good. Uh, we then get uh, one of those uh, you know interviews with Jim Ross with the entire Pinnacle. I mean, they were there, but this was an MJF promo, essentially. Got a little Wardlow in. Wardlow held his own a little bit, got a little bit wordy there, and almost got lost. But one thing I'll say about Wardlow is he's really good at, uh, you know, stretching and kind of, you know, getting back to the narrative by kind of anchoring himself in, like, certain key phrases and pieces of information he wanted to get out throughout the promo. So I thought that was uh, well executed there. Um, and I think, yeah, the uh, the logic of it. I thought was pretty good of saying, you know, Jericho only stumbles when he thinks about me because I'm the scariest guy. Right. I also did notice that, uh, you know, when he uh, was mentioning people that, you know, Jericho, you know, he, he says that, you know, that Jericho made their careers without, uh, you know, but they were already in the ascendancy before Jericho wrestled them. Number one, who he didn't mention, number one, Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy, Isaiah Cassidy. Uh, you know, they, they definitely were selective about that, but that's yeah. how, you know, that's how you're supposed to do this. Kenny right? Omega, Tetsuya yeah. Naito. <laughs> there's a, there's a few, a few omissions there, but you know, for good reason, but no, MJF cut a great promo here. Really? Well, uh, I, yeah. I didn't think it was, I, I thought it was actually, uh, not bad. And because of this, people kept mentioning something about Rosie O'Donnell. So I had to look it up. I did not realize. Oh yeah. You've never seen that before. I had never seen that before. You know what? That kid. Good performer for being a six-year-old, you know. What? MJF. I mean, you know, some some people just have a, a personality that's you know suited for being on camera or doing this kind of thing or you know uh, speaking in public just in general. Uh, Max definitely has that. You know, I I think you know people say that you know wrestlers have to have a a, a background in like you know athletics or you know some sort of athletics. I, I think Friedman did have that. I, I'm just thinking musical theater is a good. Proving ground. Oh, for wrestlers, doing wrestlers are theater kids now. Like, like, make, like, wrestlers are becoming more and more theater kids, and it's going to continue happening. Like, yeah, theater kids. I mean, Kenny Omega, the theater kids wrestler, and he's the <laughs> yeah, champion. Yeah, yeah, also, about that. He is the champ. Uh with that, we get our third match of the evening uh, for the AEW Women's World Championship: Hikaru Shida defending against Ty Conti. 
Oh yeah, my this goodness, this match fantastic match. Um, it was what we expected, right? We expected a really, really good match that Sheeta was probably going to win, and that's what we got. It is what we got. It's oh. one of those things where, like, despite there being no surprises, uh, we got exactly what we were hoping for, and what we were hoping for was very good. Uh, Ty Conti, yeah, she she definitely is brushing up on the Shibata tapes because she has she has really planted herself in the main event scene, and she's not going anywhere for a while. She's not going to be the one to take the belt from Sheeta, but they can't keep it off her for long. I mean, she's only twenty five. She's got a ton of career ahead of her. You do not need to rush to put a belt on her, but eventually I think the fan demand is going to be there to where they're just going to have to do it. I mean, I think she's going to, she's going to make herself like legitimately, I know this is like a Cody Rhodesism, but she's going to make herself undeniable if she keeps uh, on this track. You know what? If, if she keeps kicking people in the face, the way that she does, she has a great kick. She does. She has a great kick. She really does. I mean, obviously, you know, her martial arts background uh, helps out with that. But she can sell, man. She, like, she understands pro wrestling, uh, you know, the the stuff with her face. Like, she's really good at, you know, uh, uh, body language and, and the face selling kind of stuff. Just things she really gets and you know, the early part stages of her career. Yeah, uh, this was by far, spoilers, the best match of the night. Was the match of the night. Yeah, I mean, this is one, you know, I was hoping for it to be the main event. I get it, the TNT Championship, it's, you know, the TV belt, you know, it's made its main event belt. But I thought this would have served as a great main event. But you know what? I also did notice, you know, since we're doing this on a Saturday, and so time has gone on, and we can uh, can comment about this. Apparently, this was the highest rated segment of... Oh, was Dynamite. it? Dynamite, yeah. Wow, really, Jeff? It's almost like women's wrestling sells. And it's yeah. almost like this thing we've been saying on this podcast for a long time now. <laughs> <laughs> that if you feature the women that you have on the roster right now in these spots, they will deliver. And they will prove that not only is the wrestling good, but that there's fan demand for it. Yeah, uh, apparently, and apparently it went up before the 8 o'clock hour, too. Like yeah, during I mean, and, the match. And also, obviously, there was like a very obvious strategy for this to be the match that bring, brought them into the second hour. And I understand that, too. Yeah, I mean, and it, you, I mean, they, they you know, you want big ratings uh, coming into the second hour of your program. Yeah. So I, I have not seen what the ratings were between for for the entire episode or for um, in, for NXT, for that matter. Um, not, he can at one point two ain't bad, brother. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, what, at some point, Tony Khan needs to take notice of this. Like, it, it, I think it, he has. I think that's why this match was in this specific spot. You know, when you when you really look at it, yeah, the second hour is is really important, and I think you know that was done intentionally. Um, and I think you know, you know, this match spoilers here, but afterwards, Britt Baker uh, came out to uh, show that she is now number one in the rankings, and uh, you know, she's next in line for that title shot. And we've said it on this podcast. That when Britt challenges for the title next, she's probably winning that belt. Yeah, uh, I expect whatever she wins the belt, I expect that to be a main event match, unless it's a double or nothing. It's going to be a double. At this point, it's going to be a double or nothing. It seems like that's the way we're going. Yeah, I but mean, we're we're a month is, we're a month away from it. So yeah. It also, I think depends on crowds too, because I think what we're doing at this point. Uh, is probably letting Sheeta keep the belt until she can defend it in front of a full house because she hasn't been able to do that. She has not had a single match as champion in a in a capacity crowd. 
she's been a COVID era champion wire to wire, Jeff. So I think they want to let her, you know, wrestle as champion in a, in a, in a packed house. Uh, and I think maybe that we're just waiting for the opportunity to do that now. Yeah, but she's ha- also held that, held that belt for a long time now. Well, I mean, it's so nearly a full calendar year. Well, you know, let, let's let's peel that that onion back a little bit. We just mentioned earlier, or I think maybe we talked about this off pod, that UFC will be having a full capacity event tonight in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, in the very same city. Uh, so if that goes off uh, well, and there isn't you know too much backlash or too much COVID, don't be surprised if they just open the gates back up. By double or nothing, we might get a full house. That's true. I I, I I still think it's a bad move. But I think it's the best of moves. And this is coming from somebody I would like to attend double or nothing. And if it's limited capacity, I might try to. Yeah. But if it's full, uh, I don't know. Yeah. A little I, sus. I'm well, vaccinated, I, but it feels sus to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, somebody I know went to a show last night here in the Chicago area. And he said he... He didn't know. He, he said, thankfully, there weren't a whole lot of people there, but thankfully, he said he didn't know if he was going to do it again. Right. right. I'm sure understand. the anxiety is going to be. Uh, yeah. And, you know, again, you know. Speak, speaking from someone who is now fully vaccinated, uh, there is still some like lingering anxiety that I don't think is going to go away for a while uh, just because of, you know, what this era has you know done to me psychologically. Uh, I'm sure that's like that for a lot of people, but yeah, I mean, look, if you're fully vaccinated and you feel safe and you're, you know, still, uh, being responsible as a courtesy to others, you know, go attend the shit you want to attend, go yeah. do what you want to do, man. Yeah, uh, I, I, think I, I, I still can't bring myself to going into a, you know, to sit down in a restaurant yet. You no, know? I, that's going to be the hard one for me. And I'm going to do that in new Orleans. Like my first big meal is going to be at a nice restaurant there. And, uh, that's going to be how I'm going to kind of confront it for the first time. But yeah, I still feel weird about that myself. Yeah. Speaking of challenging, oh, champions! Uh, Miro cuts a promo where he just basically challenges anybody. <laughs> yeah, just hey, hey, I'm Miro. Let's wrestle. Yeah, uh, yeah. He he. They really are separating him from the whole Kip Sabian thing now. Would you like to see his next uh, his next program be with? Ooh, I mean, I I would think that the TNT might be the most logical one. Okay, but. You know, we'll we'll see. I don't think it's going to be a belt feud yet. And also, I, I think Darby's got his. Uh, we're going to talk about what Darby's got going on here and what it looks like they're pushing him towards. But yeah, I think you know Miro being an open book right now is pretty interesting because I think there's you know there's quite a few directions. But I guess you got to find someone who you know the people want to see who doesn't really have a big program going on right now. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be. Yeah, I guess we're going to have to figure that out. It could it be a? I mean, I guess it could be a uh, a Cody adjacent person, a Dustin or a Dustin type, but you know they're wrapped up with the factory stuff. So yeah, uh, you know we'll see it. And here's another fun thing for our listeners: if you would like to uh, tell us who you want to see as Miro's next program or next feud, uh, let us know at BGTD Podcast on Twitter. When we come back, we get another big inner circle promo in the ring. And, uh, Oh God, this whole segment was, it was, it was a little wordy dragged a little bit. Uh, there was some questions. It got, it got back to it a couple of times and there was a couple of things that worked about it, but yeah, overall it kind of felt draggy. Uh, there were some things that did not very much did not work about it. Like number one, Jake, Hager, Jake Hager, Jesus Christ. Well, he's just there. So that's a problem. Um, and then, yeah, uh, Chris Jericho, you used a turn of phrase not once but twice. That was uh, incredibly sus, uh, where he said he was going to leave a, quote, trail of tears. 
And buddy. Here's the thing about Chris Jericho, and I get it. Like, I, you know, he probably doesn't study too much American history. Uh, you know, having spent a lot of his you know formative years in Canada. But he did go to high school in New York, so I feel like he learned enough American history to know that that what that means. Uh, yeah, that's. Does he just uh, not know, or did he just think it's funny? Like I. Uh... Uh, are, are we going back to the fact that Chris Jericho really is kind of a dumb guy? When you he's get... a dumb guy. Uh... He's a guy. <laughs> yeah, th this promo did not make me any more excited for. For blood and guts that being said they are apparently next dynamite uh we are going to get the uh kind of a uh a a a, a round table as to a parlay the, a, a parlay fashioned parlay to uh we're gonna to... raise our white flags we're gonna have tea uh there's gonna be uh rules of engagement yeah, we get, we get, yeah. Like, like we don't know what the stipulate like we don't know the rules of a war games match <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty much going to, I'm guessing that they're going to, you know, shuffle some things up a little bit to not make it the exact same. So I'm interested to see like what sort of things, because this is another thing. This is rumor mill. So this has not been confirmed by AEW, but the word going around is that that May 5th episode of Dynamite is going to be entirely dedicated to this match. Ooh, I don't know about that. So I, I DM'd you when I found out about this and uh, my words to you were, Fuck yeah. And let me tell you why, uh, Jeff, because we're taking chances. We're trying stuff here. And I like that. I respect it. Uh, we're doing something bold. We're doing something, you know, we're taking chances. We're trying stuff. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But, you know, AEW's had bigger, like, there's no way this could fail as much as the Exploding Barbed Wire Deathmatch, which maybe one of the best parts of Exploding Barbed Wire Deathmatch is now they can fail as much as they want. <laughs> They can just fail their asses off and there will never be as spectacular a fail. So now they kind of got that monkey off their back. And you know what? That might end up being a good thing overall in the long run. Ah, uh, so Look, yeah, there we're Lucha Underground fans. And there have been a few episodes of Lucha Underground that were entirely dedicated to one match. Granted, Lucha Underground was one hour with commercials. It was about 43 to 48 minutes of show. Yeah. Right. This is going to be what? About an hour and 40 something of show an hour and 50 probably less hour 40 something. There are probably going to be promos and segments and stuff, but we're looking at at least an hour of wrestling dedicated to one singular match here. Boy, I don't know if I can take a, uh, cause I mean, I remember the times when the first hour of Nitro was nothing but promos and, and segments. And see, was, I don't, that was on, that was unbearable. I'm hoping that it's not going to be one of those like front loaded with bullshit and then the match. What I'm hoping is that we see have the match throughout the show, but then things kind of weaved in maybe at the breaks or bumps, you know, stuff like that. Well, well I guess we'll see. And this is what you know. This but, is what's interesting. You know, I can also see. That, yeah, I can also see that being. I, I can also really see that interrupting the flow of a match, though. And, and like taking could, people just, out again depends on what we're doing here. How is this match presented? Are we doing it as one of those like with commentary situations? Is it one of those cinematic deals? I guess we're going to see how they shoot this thing. It is going to be, it's a, it's a live event. Yeah. So it's going to be in the, in the ring or I guess it, could shoot, it would be on the football field, right? Well, I don't know. I thought that they were going to move to the, I thought that they were going to 
pulled the uh, the exploding barbed wire death match on the football field, and they ended up not doing that. Well, I think maybe again, maybe a thing we learned from is that if you want to do something big, put it on the football field. And it, you know, this is going to be a two ring cage. If it's held indoors, they're going to have to reconfigure Daly's place. Yeah, that set would have to yeah be totally. I think that's probably going to be on the football field. Would be my guess. I guess again, we'll see. This is something again. We're asking all these questions, and we have all this going. This is good. Like the buzz around this match being stuff like this is like a, you know a net good. And I'm you know just as intrigued to see how it goes uh, as I am to see like where it goes and how good the match is. I, I'm excited just to see the presentation of it. Maybe this time they can actually do the explosion if they do the uh, the football. <laughs> they can make I up don't for it. Anything is exploding. I think we should maybe just keep the pyro out of it and just stick with the blood and the guts. <laughs> now, what if the blood and the guts are really like not well done? What if it's like really like like shitty like fake guts? <laughs> Nobody's actually getting disemboweled. What is I would that really like is if it was maybe, uh, maybe if your guest ring announcer uh, was Mike O'Malley and the referee was Moira Quirk. Okay, there's a joke here. I'm not getting. This is a joke. This is a joke about guts. Oh yeah, you're. you're this is not your time. But this is a joke about guts from Nickelodeon. Oh uh, well, see, yeah, that was like way guts after and my... its counterpart, Global Guts. Uh, very important to my childhood. Well, uh, see, that was that was in that liminal period where I was too old to be watching Nickelodeon and I didn't have kids yet. So right. yeah, so that was like would, yeah, out would of not my have seen guts. But, yeah, yeah, it always seemed to be like a. Joke. It just always seemed to me like a, a a revised version of Double Dare. No, not necessarily, because the competitions were more intense. It was more like athletic skewing stuff. Like they were athletic competitions, and like the kids were like presented as athletes. Um, I would say more American Gladiators, except they didn't have like live humans to fight against. Okay, all right, that that that's fair then. Moving on. Our fourth match of the evening: uh, Billy Gunn versus QT Marshall. And I have one comment. On this match, and you know what that comment was? Ah, <laughs> uh, 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 how you gonna do Billy Gunn like that? Man, you, I, you, know, like you know what? It, it, it galls me that for a certain period of time, I had seen Billy Gunn on indie shows more than I had seen Pentel Cerro Miedo. <laughs> look, man, Billy is look. Billy's fifty-seven years old, and Billy looks great. Billy still got it in the ring. Billy is a wholly fine hand in the ring. Billy is not like uh, a liability whatsoever. Duke can still go. Due, due to Billy Gunn, we were. The thing about it is like QT Marshall is like a perfect wrestling trainer and coach because he's good at wrestling. He's really good at like executing wrestling moves. He's just not particularly interesting in like any way. Well, and it, at this point, now there was Billy Gunn, and this match just did nothing for me. Well, he I, was I, 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 I liked Anthony. Love it, baby face, to get beat up by these despicable heels, and they he filled his role. He was like, you know, he's a universally beloved veteran who you have your new heel beat up. Yeah, which is what happened with Anthony Agogo. Anthony Agogo hits him with that liver shot and casually walks away. Uh, QT gets the win. I get why we're doing this because, you know, ultimately this factory angle is going to elevate guys like a go-go guys like Nick Camarado, who we're about to see in this segment um, at Al. But yeah, QT just, oh, I don't give a shit, dude. Don't care about QT. Yeah, anyone else. Jesus, QT Marshall. Why? Yeah. yeah. Of, all, of all people. Why? I don't care about his grips. Like here, here's the thing. It's like the story. Like, I don't care that he's like mad at Cody or whatever. It doesn't matter to me. I don't give a shit. 
It's like, it, it, yeah, we, we've been there, done that, you know. It, oh, it's your widow business partnership go south. Or oh, did you not like working with your widow business partner who got you to wild success? Or oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, it's not a real problem. Like, what's he, he has nothing to be mad about. Because even if he hates Cody, like, he has the successful wrestling school and was, like, already brought to this point. Like, you have nothing to complain about. You're, this is just bullshit. You're on national TV weekly. I mean... <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, like these aren't real pro- like that's the thing is like, you know, wrestling grudges like have to have something there that makes you like kind of bite into and like care about. I have I don't care about any of QT's like uh problems or his gripes or any of that. I do care about the people around him and like the factory, like cuz I think there's some really good talents there. I just don't give a shit about him being the leader of it at all. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a big bunch of nothing, you know, honestly. Yeah. yeah. We then go to a, uh, an extended promo. Oh, we missed the, well, I thought we were going to talk about Nick Conrado. So yeah, Nick Conrado oh, got a I'm chair good. smashed over his head. They, they used the, the Chekhov's wooden chair. That oh he, my goodness. Like, specifically I brought forgot out about he, like, that. Turned into a million pieces. Uh, so we did that. And I, a really nice, like, uh, Hey, who's that guy moment for Nick Conrado. I think, yeah. I think it's one of those moments where people watching AEW that wouldn't know him would go, Oh, who's that dude? Yeah. So man. good. So that was well done. Dustin's face paint. What did you think? Ooh, uh, I mean, they, yeah, it's clearly they changed the face paint. It was well, he does that. He, he he does change his face paint pretty frequently. This one, ambitious, I would say. Yeah, I, yeah, it, yeah. Ambitious is a good word for it. Successful, I don't, I don't know. Worked. <laughs> yeah, successful. Yeah, I don't know. He did try. He did try. All right, then we go to an extended promo with uh, the elite, with the super elite in their trailer. Um, during which Don Callis makes mention of a match that has barely been mentioned on AEW programming in which, uh, in which Kenny Omega will be going into impact wrestling, uh, tomorrow as we record this on Sunday, the 25th of of April at the rebellion pay-per-view to in a title versus title match versus Rich Swan, the uh, the Impact World Champion. Yeah, so this now, is interesting that they're not advertising it because I would assume Kenny's winning that match. Yeah, I, I think maybe that's part of it is because from the moment that this match was announced, it was a foregone conclusion who was winning this match. Right, unless we get a fuck finish or something, but I don't think they're going to do that, like fuck finish your pay-per-view main event. Oh, but no, that, no, no, nobody would ever fuck finish a pay-per-view main event, ever. Yeah, especially not Impact Wrestling. Right, and besides which, you know, on a related note, uh, you know, Finn Juice, you know, uh, Juice Robinson and David Finley will be rematching with the Good Brothers for the Impact yes. Tag Titles. I, I don't see them holding on to those either because, you know, the whole point here is that, you know, the, the you know, the, that, that's been the running thread through both AEW and Impact ever since December happened, ever since December 4th, which is, you know, the, the, the Follett Club are, are unstoppable. Right. Although, um, I guess, you know, if you want to, you know, put your insane booking cap on there is also a path to the young bucks eventually getting those impact tag belts uh to get some heat with the good brothers that's something i could see reasonably happening too yeah but i mean they're all friends now again. yeah yeah but, but what if the young bucks win those belts before the good brothers do that's the way that you could kind of sow a little discord there yeah that's i think at some point the good brothers are coming for those aew tag belts at well, some point they're gonna well, bring they this thing to. back yeah yeah they it's have to 
Yeah, what are you thinking of this whole Impact AEW shtick so far? I mean, I mean, at, I guess, at this I think, point in a, you know, in late April. I said at the beginning that, you know, the thing AEW gets out of this is Don Callis, and I still, you know, kind of hold to that. I think that's the most benefit that they've had is getting Don Callis at Kenny Omega's side for, you know, these angles. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to have Kenny out here, like, actively belt collecting. Um, I guess we'll see how it turns out, man. I think it's good for Impact overall that, they're, that they you know, have these talent exchanges happening, but uh, I don't think it's really made much of a, you know, pun intended here, hasn't made much of an impact on, you know, the wrestling scene overall. It hasn't, you know, made waves or anything like that. This door feels less forbidden than some others. Well, you know what? I'll tell you what. The So far, the only thing that, the only real net gain that has happened as far as interest was, was Kenta coming into AEW. And then, you know, fi- we were finally getting, you know, the Moxley versus Kenta match that was built up for like eight months. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, no, yeah, the, the New Japan stuff I think has been well executed almost all the way across the board. But uh, yeah, ups and downs here. There's some stuff. There's some interesting stuff. I fi- don't find myself caring as much about it week to week as you know probably AEW would have hoped their average fan would. Uh, but you know, some some decent stuffs happened. I expect the Swan Kenny match to be good. I'm sure that will be a good match. So you know. Yeah, but again, it, it, there's no drama to it because the result was a foregone conclusion the second they announced the match. It feels like it, but I'm sure Swan's going to, you know, during the course of the match, I'm sure the tension will be there because I'm sure Swan's going to give him a show. Rich Swan is very good. Uh, anyway, the uh, the elite here. Although sort it, of... would be, it would be completely bananas if Rich Swan won that belt. So there's a there's like a way you could talk me into thinking about it just because of like how much buzz it would generate. But that's just not happening. They're no. not doing it. No, God, no. Anyway, uh, so the, uh, the 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 collected elite keep hearing, you know, a car honking outside, and uh, we we go outside, and oh look, it's John Moxley and Eddie Kingston in a in a pickup, in a big truck, old truck, in a big old truck, and they just ram the fuck out of the trailer. So the uh, full circle on that trailer, uh, that is the same place where Moxley and Kingston cut the Eddie Kingston in a, in a walking boot promo. Did you notice that? It's the same trailer. Oh yeah, I did know. I was talking about. I was like, "What? Where are they? Like, it seems like a. It's not like an RV. It might be like a trailer. I don't. I can't really exactly tell. It was the same trailer. So that's where. So we found. We've answered a boom goes the dynamite lore question. (laughs) Uh, Where did Moxley and Kingston shoot that promo? The answer is this very same trailer that Mox and King proceeded to just ram with the big truck, and then uh, Moxley very uh, perfectly placed a lead pipe through the window. Uh, oh, yes. you know, smash out the windows a little bit. I love the part where they go into the, the trailer and uh, Moxley throws a drawer out the window because they even took their goddamn socks. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was pretty Which funny. I thought was pretty good. It was great. Mox and Kings, one of the best things going in all of pro wrestling right now. They're so much fun. This rocks. This is great. Uh, They're really making this stuff interesting. Uh, Their pursuit of the Young Bucks continues to be an absolute blast to watch, and it's going to be a great payoff in the ring. Our fifth match of the evening, uh, Christian Cage against Powerhouse Will Hobbs. Yeah, Team Taz. Another segment. Let's go. This was... the overall match was was decent, but did I love watching Will Hobbs throwing Christian Cage around? Hell yes, I did. (laughs) Yeah, Will Hobbs, you know, 
he's a guy who's obviously getting noticed for his size, his strength, being a big, strong bruiser guy. But uh, especially in this match, and probably you know, in no small part thanks to having you know uh, an opponent like Christian Cage. But really noticed how well he does a lot of the little things for a guy who hasn't been wrestling, you know, a crazy long time. Uh, really good at finding the camera. Again, we talked about like face selling stuff like Ty Conti's good at. Will Hobbs also really good with the face selling stuff. Like the way that, you know, it's really easy to like kind of get or lose the realism in a match like this because it's just how much bigger and stronger a guy like Hobbs is. So like when Cage is doing some moves, it's easy for stuff like that not to be believable. But, you know, selling with your face, like looking surprised when a reversal happens, you know, for instance, stuff like that are what really drives that kind of stuff home in wrestling. And he did a really good job here with that. Yeah, I thought so, too. Uh, Christian Cage does get the win with the kill switch. Cage can uh, still go, man. Christian can fucking wrestle, huh? Like this is a man who is what, in his early 50s now? Uh, probably. I don't know. It looks great. Um, still can wrestle his ass off. You know, again, big, strong, tough guy and, uh, had a really good match. Uh, so after that, we get a promo, a tape promo with Jade Cargill, uh, talking about managers, uh, something you kind of predicted, Paul. Yeah. We talked about this last week, actually. So kind of interesting timing. We were talking about how we still think Jade might need a manager, um, and I think that's, you know, I don't think I'm the only person with that take, which is probably why this promo got cut. Um, you know, I think a lot of people think that she could benefit from it, but I thought this was a really good way to address it. But you know what, 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 what did this remind you of? What did this remind me of? Yeah. What did this remind you of, of, uh, of Jade Cargill and, uh, ma- very many managers trying to gain, you know, ob- obtain, you know, solicit her, her, uh, her interest. In their services, uh, I don't know who. What's what's the example that you have? On uh, the example I have was when uh, Randy Savage came into the WWF the first time. Oh, I like that comparison. And uh, you know, which of course ended up with you know Elizabeth. Yeah, but and you know, I did think it was interesting that Vicky Guerrero was one of the people who responded uh, on this. Like they had a couple people, you know, uh, say you know I could be the manager. Vicky Guerrero was one of them. Uh, I still think that Jade could benefit, but I think her being like, I don't necessarily need a manager, but I guess, hey, if someone impresses me enough, I'd, I'd be open to offers. I think will be a really interesting way to move this forward and find her a manager. Because I think this this is where it culminates, right? Like we find someone for her eventually. Yeah, I, I noticed Awesome Kong was not one of those people. Well, featured, if, if, so. uh, if, if she's going to end up being the manager, she's not going to be featured here yet. Yeah, no. Yeah, basically, who, yeah, whomever becomes her manager will not be shown on one of these, no, these segments. It will be a surprise, and I'm very excited because I think it is going to end up being something fun. Our main event of the evening, uh, Darby Allen versus Jungle Boy for the TNT Championship. Uh, this feels like we should have maybe seen this on the indies a, a couple of times, but I don't know if Jungle Boy was actually on the indies long enough to... Yeah, I mean, after his GCW breakout, I mean, he was signed to AEW in basically no time. Uh, there wasn't a lot of lag time between yeah. that. I, I, think he did like one, I think he did like one PWG stint, and that was it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you got to remember that that time that he was breaking out of the Indies, he was 20 and 21 years old. Yeah. Just a baby in this. So, uh, anyway, what did you think of this? Hell of a match. Hell of a match. Darby Allen is such an impressive technical wrestler 
and, and what he gets, you know, to have a match like this with somebody of like the athletic prowess as Jungle Boy really shines, man. He is so fucking good. Um, and, jo- and that's not taking away Jungle Boy is great, but like Darby's the champ and wrestled like the champ here. Uh, it really had me believing, you know, Jungle Boy had a couple of, you know, real close calls there. The match was really well sold, really well booked. Uh, yeah, it just impressed me all around. Um, I, I thought this was pretty good. I did, didn't think it was as good as uh, Hikaru Shida versus Ty Conti. I think they were both really good on their own merits. They had, you know, different types of matches there. Uh, but both, you know, two baby faces and, you know, not an easy thing to, to pull off that baby face versus baby face match, especially two on the same show for, for championships. And both these matches really delivered. Right. Well, and then, you know, we also have, you know, you know, Steve Stinger against Luchasaurus, uh, you know, that kind of have, they kind of fought to the I love Steve just walking in the Valley of Giants now. (laughs) Right. Like he's just like challenging all the big guys. And I think that's a really good lane for him because he can have, uh, I think the most, you know, active type of wrestling match against uh, the big the big guys, right? Right. He won't have to, you know, do the, you know, heavy lifting. We've said this before, literally or figuratively. And, uh, you know, so he can have, you know, the big guy carry stuff. He can do striking-based stuff, you know, weapons, hardcore kind of stuff that uh, uh, I think will be able to, you know, utilize him really well still for, you know, a few more years yet. Right. Um, of course, Darby Allen does retain after the match – we get a run-in from Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page, which then which prompts uh, Lance Archer to uh, say, what the this fuck, This was yeah, a whole dust-up. So you had Sting, you had Lance Archer, you had Luchasaurus, you had Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, all type of stuff happening. A lot of extracurriculars to end this show. Yeah, so uh, in, in this show it did, as uh, we fade out on episode 76 of AEW Dynamite. Uh, what'd you think overall? Decent show, you know, anchored by its title matches. Obviously, uh, we got some, you know, some movement towards blood and guts. That was, uh, you know, some, some housekeeping that needed to be done. They did it. There weren't any, nothing that was like, you know, like outwardly bad. Like there were no like, you know, bad matches or anything that really sucked. Um, but you know, a, a, a fine episode. Uh, I'm going to dispute the whole there were no bad matches that really sucked because, uh, yeah, that Billy Gunn versus I don't Marshall, think I didn't, give, I I didn't give a shit about it. I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not invested in it, but I didn't think it was a bad match. Mm, it wasn't a good match either. Yeah, it was just – and that's all just level of involvement and investment in it. Like if you don't care – and you're not like uh, invested in the outcome of it. You're definitely not going to enjoy it as much. Just looking at it from like a, hey, was this you know a wrestling match that was executed well? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Uh, you got to Why are you gonna do Billy like this? This is Billy Gun Slander. I am an ass man. That's you, man. <laughs> That's on I you. Love, I love to love him. I love to kick him. Uh, I love to hold on. Hold on. <laughs> No, you are not. No, no. Let's see. I love to love them. I love to kick them. I love to shove them. I love to stick them. I love to flaunt them. I love to watch them. I love to pick them and I'm going to kick them because I'm an ass man. Oh, yeah. I'm an ass man. Paul, go ahead and plug yourself. (laughs) You bet I will. Uh, you can find me on Twitter oh, oh. at ThickFlareTTV or on Twitch at twitch.tv slash ThickFlare. This very podcast can be followed on Twitter at 
BGTD podcast. That's BGTD, like boom goes the dynamite podcast. And if you're listening to this uh, tonight on the Saturday that we recorded it, uh, head over to the Bookies Basement on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash Bookies Basement to check out my homeboy, Harry Mack and the gang um, as your fight companion for UFC 261. Uh, you can find me at Strong Style Story without the E in style on Twitter, my personal Twitter at GD Wessel, two S's, one L. Uh, just yesterday, as we record this, uh, we uploaded a very special episode of Busting Balls detailing the complete debacle that was the the Super League. And uh, that, that pretty much was the only story going on in football this week, so... So we talked a bunch about that. So uh, go ahead and check that out. It's on the PWOM Podcast Network as well. So, uh, Paul, any final words? So many asses, so little time. Only a tight one can stop me on the dime. I'm a lover of every kind. The best surprises always sneak up from behind. I'm a nice man. You're killing me. We'll see you next week.